Welcome to the Four Listeners Program. Welcome aboard, everybody. Thanks for checking us out this week. What up, everybody? I'm Spear, and on the mics with me this week is the Z-Man. What is up, Z? Boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom. All right. <laughs> that, that's fantastic. Uh, no Ganthor tonight. Ganthor is off doing whatever Ganthor does whenever he's not doing this. Uh, Z-Man, I, what do we got on tap this week? We got a, we got a guest waiting in the wings. What do we got on tap? Uh, for, for me, I was, I've gone to a couple improv shows, and for me, there's so much anxiety as an audience member in improv shows that something must be done about improv. Something must be help, done about improv. Yeah, and to help us out, we have uh, a friend of mine uh, who has been taking improv classes for the last year. Uh, let me bring in my buddy here, uh, Nick. What's up, Nick? Hey, guys. How's it going? What got you into improv, Nick? Uh, there's a long story, I guess, that kind of led up to it. But the short version of it is I wanted to be more a more confident speaker and get over things like social anxiety. And eventually I kind of worked up to a point where I'm like, all the advice I heard was improv's really good for this stuff. And at some point I wanted to do stand-up. And I didn't want to be alone on stage, so I figured improv would be the first kind of natural step in that direction. Well, as as would a podcast where we literally have maybe three to five dozens of people. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little low-risk environment. <laughs> and they can't even see me here. They can't even see you, man. <laughs> we're, Do- we're big time. We're dozens big time. of people are waiting for the show to get published. Come on now. i got to get going. <laughs> So how do you feel um, like it's been helping you uh, so far? I mean, you're, you've been doing this for about a year now. Do you feel more confident in terms of public speaking? Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, there are some people that I met around uh, like when I started 101 and that they haven't seen me for like six or plus months or so. And like even they, they said that I just, I just carry myself differently now. I think a lot of the, a lot of the main things that you kind of got get out of the way in even just like a 101 course – is you know how, just how to connect with your emotions and stuff that you don't normally you know access on a typical day. Uh, I think the key thing that you learn early on is that uh, the only wrong move is to not make one. And even then, if you have anyone else in the scene, they're gonna they're still gonna cover for you. It's true that it's a team effort. If you're up there with a group of people, if you goof up, there's gonna be somebody right there to pick you up when you fall down and just continue the scene moving. Either that or the the director will call the scene early and just get you the hell out of there. You know what I mean? Yeah, and especially if you're doing like a run of scenes or whatever, you know, your your teammates are going to see, you know, how is how a scene's going and if they if it needs help or if they need someone to come on and support them or support them from the sides or even just edit the scene. There's there's so many options available, especially, you know, depending on your format. Yep. I, my my mother, my mother in high school made me go as a freshman. Made me go to this improv thing. It was, I had no interest in going. I was kind of introverted at the time. Nobody will believe this. What? Yeah, at the time I was kind of introverted, and I didn't want to be a part of this. So I remember very distinctly leaning up against the wall, watching all these people kind of gather. And it was like, oh, my God, what the hell am I doing here? But my mother said, this will be good for you. You're going to go. You're going to learn how to get up in front of a group of people. You're going to learn how to speak in front of a group of people. Go. And I'm like, okay. And you know what? 
that might be the best thing my mom ever did for me. That might be uh, – I, I don't even want to know what the best thing that my mom did for you guys is. You can leave that alone. But <laughs> the best thing that my mom ever did for me was to, to send me to the improv thing because it really did help a great deal with my, uh, my public speaking. Improv is – I recommend it to anybody. It's nice that your mom wanted to share her trade with you, you yeah. know, like getting in front of a camera and on stage. Yeah, yeah, getting in front of a group of people. Yeah. Have you have you ever done naked stand up? That's a thing. That is a thing, and I had they do it at Improv Boston. I don't remember how frequently, but it's once it's once a month. There's this uh, uh, portly redheaded man who hosts it, and he comes out butt naked and does his thing, and then introduces up to ten other comedians who all come out. Uh, in yeah, the buff, all the all on the buff, and it's 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 even it's it's very uncomfortable for everyone. <laughs> that's that's got to be hilarious, though. It's not. It's not at all. So why? All right, so so <laughs> it's brave. We'll go brave. We'll go brave. All right, fine. But why? I mean, why? You mentioned that you find it. You're anxious sitting in the audience watching this. I understand if they're naked, but <laughs> I can see I can see a bit of anxiety, a little a little discomfort. Why would you be anxious watching performers? It's just there's it's cringeworthy sometimes just when it's when it's really good improv it's humorous it's funny i can see the the appeal to it but anything subpar there's always just those moments where like you're trying to get into the groove or trying to you know find themselves if the people are trying to find their their way through the through the scene and it's just it's just like it's it's you're just like it's i don't know everything just everything just scrunches up i'm just like oh that was uncomfortable that or bombed, weird or awkward or that or awkward, that bomb that was terrible yeah, yeah. Well, it's like any other. It's like any other performance, though. I mean, when you watch something bomb, it's cringeworthy. Where, where you're right, like, right, right. "Oh God, he did not stick that landing," <laughs> you know? No. Yeah. The... And it's just, it just, it just the occurrence rate is higher, I think, in improv, just because it is. You know, it is. You have to make it up on the on the fly. It's not rehearsable. You can rehearse the types of games to the types of scenes you're going to do, but you're never going to be able to rehearse the actual content. Actually, that is that is that true? I, I know they always say that they don't rehearse, but do you guys? ever have come up with pre pre-arranged skits none of the none of the content is ever uh rehearsed or planned ahead of time like sometimes you might get an idea uh, of something cool to do on stage next time you're up there but you never do it it's poor form and and honestly if you're like quote truly doing improv you're uh you're it's not even going to come to mind when you're on stage because you're going to be so in the moment in the back of your head do you have like characters that you wanted to try out like you know you got this french grocery bag boy or something like that that you uh you think would be a funny thing to bring into some skit so you have him in the back of your head or some i don't know german newspaper delivery kid i I think an accent is useful like if you have a if you have a french or a german accent at your disposal those are useful but again you're not you're not trying to put that accent in a particular scene until you see the scene develop like one of the games that we used to play was Somebody would start a scene like, here's a scenario, you're in a grocery store, go. And then, you know, the two people are talking and then somebody yells out, freeze. And then whatever position they're in with whatever hands or, you know, however they're standing or whatever, somebody has to tag out somebody in that position, assume that position, and then start a new scene. So it always ends up being, you know, something based on some something physical, some physicality. And if you can take the voice and you can add it to the physicality, then I think you kind of add to it. It's kind of a plus-plus type of deal. But you don't ever kind of go in with a preconceived notion. Otherwise, you're I, – I agree with Nick entirely. You're not really doing improv. You're, you're just going in with a canned idea and then just executing it based on whatever the hell's going on. Yeah. Okay. 
there's like a ton of things to keep in mind when when I guess constructing a scene and everyone kind of has their own different way of doing it and their own separate approaches. Yep. The way that I've kind of been taught is feel a way about a thing. And I think one, you know, as long as your character has an opinion about uh, the situation and the character or characters that you're on stage with, really, I, I think that's really going to drive the scene. That's where you're going to get a lot of your, your humor from. And like, you don't even have to start funny. Even you can just, you can discover what you get to discover what's funny about it. You don't need to go for the the humor all the time. I mean, a lot of times you're when you're going through that the kind of the process of discovery, and that's usually the first the first few minutes of any sketch or any skit is is just figuring out where the hell this is going to go, and you're just looking for that first connection because you're feeling each other out. And you're looking for that first connection. Once you find it, once you find that beat, and whether it's emotional or it's funny or it's it's sad or whatever it is, once you find it, that's what you kind of glom onto. And then you, you kind of drive where it goes from there. Once you find that emotion, you can kind of dig into that a little bit and see where it's going to go. And that's, that's the best part about improv is you're, just, you're, you're going through that period of discovery first. And then it's what can I do with this once I got there? The most terrifying part of, of going through that process is not finding that connection right away. Because you're like, now you're in the middle of this and you're going, where in the hell is this going? <laughs> Because you can't figure it out. You can't find it. You're like, where is this going? And that's, that's when the terror actually sets in. <laughs> because if you don't know where you're going, now you're lost. And that's where all of, like, that's when you sit out there, Z, going, oh, shit. Is, right. Do you actually find it to be fun? Like, um, do you enjoy it, or is it more terrifying and you're trying to conquer this fear rather than being, it actually being fun? So, good question. Um, but I was finding that as the year progressed, um, when I was just taking classes in 101, like I was ner- I was nervous uh, for like a week before my first class show for 101, and it's like every subsequent show that happened, it's like that fear kind of got cut in half. So, and it was just with within fairly recently after that two hour show, like I'm, I muttered the words to myself as I walked off stage, I survived <laughs> because, because it was it was so, it was so much. I I think people enjoyed the show. I mean, we got laughs, uh, but I'd never done anything like that. But it was around that point in time when I, I finally started to learn how to kind of transfer all that, like, anxious fear energy into more excitement. Like, I was kind of okay going into that one. But ever since that, I think I'm more excited to get on stage now. Because once you start getting that fear out of your out of your mind, like, you can still be, ner- again, nervous to put on a good show. But, like, as, once that fear is out of the way, that kind of frees up more your brain to actually, you know, be present in the scene and yep. do your, you know, do your, be- do your best work. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you're trying to come come together with a group, are you just literally just taking any group you can get into, or are you trying to craft a group? Are there like positions in an improv troupe that you're trying to fill? Is it like uh, the the go- the guy who's good at, at at I don't know making songs? Is a guy who's who's good at uh, impersonations or like you said foreign accents and things like that? I th- I think so. I don't have uh, I don't have a ton of experience with all the you know uh, with a ton of group dynamics, but um, I think. Uh, it's going to be like a your mileage may vary sort of thing where uh, certain groups will be looking for certain things like um, like especially if you're um, like there, there's some there's some teams that specifically perform a f- show format known as like the Herald. And that's usually best performed with like I think it's about like six to eight people. So ideally, you're going to want six to eight people who are at least experienced and you know with the types of things that go that go into a show like that or have performed it before 
I don't think it's important that you have specific roles that you have to fill or like specific positions. I think it's probably more important that the people that you are going to be doing this with are compatible. It's not about playing certain positions, but knowing what your team is capable of doing. That's, I think, probably more important. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, because, you know, in any given scene, you could be kind of expected to do just about anything. No. Um, I think the, um, at least with the people who I've, you know, played with and whatever, they um, typically won't force you into a musical role if you're not experienced in it or not comfortable with it because there's something just, you know, just clearly challenging about it. Because uh, there's a specific skill set that comes along with that. But I think outside of that, most other things it's, are it's, fair it's a very It's a very difficult skill set to acquire, too. Uh, well, I'll let you know in a couple months because uh, I should be wrapping up 701 in August, and then I'm probably going to sign up for Musical Improv 101 after that. Oh, wow. Purely, oh, that... purely as a as a fear-conquering thing. Like, I don't know if I want to do anything with it, but singing has never been my strong point. And Dude, just it, own it. Just own it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if there's one thing I've learned from doing this show for 300-whatever episodes is don't worry what the people say. Yeah, just, just sing. say it. Just right. Sing, just sing it. Yeah, because I've had a, a te- I've had a teacher say it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're good. It just matters that you do it. Just do it with confidence, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Nick, let me ask you this: if we were if we were going to try to sell Z on trying uh, on getting into improv, what would you tell him was the biggest benefit that you've gotten so far from taking these classes and, and performing? Um. Well, so well, I know for myself, my needs were probably a little a little different than than Z's, but um, for, for me, it was, it was sort of mostly just a self-confidence thing, but not, not like in a, in a cocky way, but like I just feel more comfortable um, in general. Yeah, I don't have an issue there. Yeah, you, you do not lack for self-confidence. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, not, that's not your problem. <laughs> nope, that's, that's, not gonna, that's, not a, that's not a selling point. That's not your problem. <laughs> I, I mean, I could tell you that the, benefit, the, the biggest benefit I got was public speaking, and I, I have a tendency not to write speeches anymore where I, I will just have, like, talking points, and I will wing speeches, whole speeches, for, like, you know, half hour, 45 minutes, without having to read off a, read off a script. That's a long time. To, to be able to talk yeah. for 45 minutes straight, just off the top of my head? Yeah, that's, that's oh, kind he, of he, incredible. He Dude, I can talk for hours. way longer than that, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk for way longer than that, pal. <laughs> just give me a topic and let me go. <laughs> Why do you think I do this podcast every week? I gotta get it out of my system. You just have all these words. Just gotta get just them. Gotta out. get them out. <laughs> just gotta get them all out of my brain. Uh, I will put insomniacs to sleep. <laughs> it's, it's no problem. <laughs> well, so if if I were if I were you, Z, I yeah. would take it so that I could be a more effective communicator at my job. I just took a class. It was about storytelling storytelling as an effective communicator and to be able to relate to people you tell stories that help them understand where you're coming from so that you can get a particular point across and didn't you do something like that where you got up on stage z and you had to tell stories about some miserable shit that happened to you i did a mortified well so what was mortified mortified was me retelling a story that i wrote to a girl in 10th grade but uh, you read it from uh, from the paper you're not supposed to be making it up it's uh, it's actually intended to be uh um, read from from notes. Read from notes. So the moth is my next challenge, and I, I I want to do a moth show, and that is real stories told live without notes. So there you go. So you're gonna have to be able to think on your feet there, and but it's a rehearsed story. It's a, it's a story you know. 
Well, sure, but it's it's going to be, but it's going to be you'll you'll ebb and flow with it a little bit rather than reading it off the notes. Sure. Yeah. Well, that'll be fun too. I don't have any concern with that. I'm just trying to. Uh, I need to hone the. I need to take the time to hone the story down because you have to get it under five minutes, and uh, I have to find the right theme. So the uh, moth has themes each night. So I'm just waiting for a good theme that it'll, that it's uh, applicable to. What kind of themes have they had? Uh, they'll do things like death, or they'll do you know scary voodoo. I don't know they come up with whatever mystified. They'll have weird, random words. Mystified. Yeah. I would a talk time about, we were mystified. Uh, every time I come across a woman. <laughs> and they make no sense. <laughs> I am continually mystified. <laughs> Where else? What else do you want to touch on? One, one quick thing about skills that you that you can uh, develop through improv, and I think this one is often really overlooked, like to the point that I almost forgot to bring it up, is and that is um, you. It really helps develop your listening. Yes. Because I, I think a lot of the time when, when we think about improv, you know, we're talking about people being funny, like on stage and, you know, whether it's coming up with like just the right, right line at just the right time or whatever. But a lot of it is listening to what, you know, everyone else is doing and kind of making sure you're actually paying attention to what everyone else is doing. And you're just not doing your own personal show that just happens to have other people in it. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, it, it just helps you be a better conversationalist. Helps you be a better communicator. All of this, all of this comes under the guise of being a better communicator, either from a performance perspective or just kind of in the rest of your life. Yeah, totally agree. So get it, get in there, Z. Get yourself a class. Yeah, uh, maybe. Feeling it? Not feeling it. <laughs> not feeling it. Not feeling it. Um, gentlemen, I forgot to uh, say this. Why? Happy steak and a blowjob day. Oh yeah, that's right. Happy pie day. Oh no, I've got. Two hours left to make up for it. You got you got what, <laughs> you for what? The steak and blowjob or a pie? <laughs> what are you gonna... I, I got a, I got a steak defrosting in my in my fridge right now. I haven't eaten dinner yet. Let me. Uh, I gotta go hit that. All right. I have a I have a pop tart here. Does that count? Yeah, you, that does count as pie. If you squint, <laughs> it'll be just fine. <laughs> is it a, is it an apple pop tart? Uh, unfortunately, I think it's it's blueberry. So yeah, so like blueberry pie, yeah, yeah perfect. Squint, squint, and, uh, and and it'll look just like a pie. Yeah, blueberry pie. You can still stick a dick in it. Yeah, man, go ahead, get in there. Yeah. It's not cherry, but I mean, you know, blueberries are pretty good too. Oh, strawberry's my jam. Frosted, <laughs> frosted strawberry, frosted strawberry pop tarts, man. Those are the best things on the planet. With with the, with the sprinkly things on it. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Those are the best of the pop tarts, I think. That's what I'm talking I mean, about, get, Nick. I mean, getting into those toasted cinnamon ones, they're pretty good too. Too. <sighs> Right. Frosted strawberry, man. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So what did we learn? What did we learn about improv, Z-Man? Still very uncomfortable. It's not, though. It, it can be, but it, it's not. You know, what the best, you know what the best audience is? The best audience is the, is the giving audience, the one that will you know, not cringe when, when something goes awry on stage. Yeah, you don't want me in the audience. Oh, then. Well, then fine. <laughs> that's that's fine. Nick, what did you what did you learn? I think I learned that I have to start laying on the peer pressure for Z to take a class. Hell yeah! No, I'm and with boots. you on that one. Uh, what what did I learn? I learned that I think I want to get myself back into this because talking Ooh. talking about it now, I, like I feel like you know I haven't done this in a long time, but it, it it's something that I was really fond of in high school it was probably one of the, the the best things i did so i want to get back into it i think did they uh did they do kids improv shows yes 
Oh yeah. Could, could you do like a daddy and me uh kids oh, improv? Oh my god. My kid's life is improv. That's all he does. I know is it improv. is. That's he's what a, I'm saying. A... He would he would go nuts for this. Holy shit. <laughs> Couldn't imagine. Right. My kid my kid my kid just lives improv. His whole, he flops around on the floor, he does his thing. Yeah. Um so, if you think you want to get yourself into an improv show, why don't you go ahead and let us know on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash listeners or fourlisteners.com. You can check out the show on Stitcher Radio, on iTunes, or on Google Play. Just search for Four Listeners, and we'll pop right on up. And you can give us a tweet on the Twitters, at Four Listeners. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for joining us and talking to us about improv. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. And we thank all of you for checking us out this week, and we hope that you will check us out again next week. Thanks a bunch, everybody. Um, yeah, but chicks, chicks, funny chicks are you know, funny chicks are awesome. I'm going to generalize that a little further for you. I, I'm going to just go like, I'm going to let me generalize, and I'll just say, I think just funny people are awesome. Well, funny people are awesome. How about that? All right, funny people are awesome. Funny, but, confident people. But if they have boobs, they're even better. Boobs make things better. <laughs> Everything is better with boobs. Everything's better with boobs. <laughs>